Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. It's always, um, I've always take it as a privilege to be able to speak on our first uh, Sunday in the new year. And for the last few years, Owen has um, always allowed me to do it. And uh, it might not continue forever, um, but it always feels a real privilege to be able to do it. And I think much of what I feel God's given me to say this morning just follows on really neatly from our time of worship. It's always good when that's the case, isn't it? You've sensed all the Holy Spirit's here today. There's some synergy. And uh, so some of the stuff I'm going to say, I think we've, we've already really touched on, which just helps, doesn't it? It helps the preacher, and I hope it's going to help you. But when we come to God's word, we need him to open it for us and to reveal it to us, don't we? So let's just for a moment ask him to do that at the beginning of this new year. Father, we thank you so much that you have built us into a family. And it is precious. It feels precious, actually, to be back together. Lord, I look out on the faces here and think, oh, these, these people are precious to me. They are precious to you. We are precious to one another. You are building us into a holy people, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God, that we might declare the glories of the one who saved us from darkness and brought us into light. And uh, as we come to your precious word, we ask you to open it to us, Speak kindly to us. Guide us as we approach the start of this new year. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I felt this um, this year as I was just preparing this preach to, to speak about um, open doors or about doors. And talking about God opening doors actually is something that in Christian speak we do quite a lot, don't we? We talk about God opening a door. Uh, And we have to be careful about those phrases that become very common within uh, Christian speak, particularly when we're talking to people outside of the faith. Um, But actually this particular phrase is, is really rooted in the Bible. And God often talks about opening and shutting in the Bible. Paul writes about it a lot. We're going to look particularly at some of the things that Paul writes when he talks about doors opening and closing. At the start of a new year, we might be thinking about doors that we want God to open. Uh, Owen led us in that time of prayer when maybe you were praying particularly for particular doors of opportunity to open for you, whether that's with family or whether it's with your mission and ministry or whether it's just personally for doors to open. I know I know, Jen, you're praying for a physical door to open for you guys this year with a new home at some point. And so this is a good point for us sometimes to just stop and consider about doors opening. And, and, and so what I want us to do is to just take a little bit of time in the next 20 minutes to half an hour just to look at three uh, passages where Paul talks about doors opening, uh, particularly f- for him and around his ministry. So we're going to jump pretty much straight into the Bible, which is quite a good thing to do, isn't it, in a, in a preach. 
And uh, we're going to look, first of all, at uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his first letter. And this uh, passage that we're going to look at comes right towards the end of this letter. Paul is bringing his letter to the Corinthians to a close, his first letter. It's not been an easy letter for him to write. He's trying to correct some error that has come into the church and some uh, fairly um, drastic error that has come in. And uh, so this letter has not been an easy one for him to write. And he is now just pulling the threads together and he's sharing with the Corinthians his own personal plans for the next few months. And so let's read together from 1 Corinthians 16, verses 5 to 9. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia. For I intend to pass through Macedonia and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost For a wide door of effective work has opened to me and there are many adversaries. That um, word effective, uh, if you look at the the Greek word for it, it's it's energē. And uh, that sounds like our word energy, doesn't it? And in fact, that's exactly what it is. It it literally means energised. And what Paul is saying here is, look, there's a, there's a door that's opened here for me for effective, live work. It's like there's energy in it. The Holy Spirit is energising this door that's opened. And so, therefore, he amends, changes, adapts his plans so that he stays uh, in, this, in this locality for a bit longer maybe than he'd originally intended because God has clearly opened this door for effective ministry for him, this energised ministry. He still wants to be very much led by the Lord in it. And if you look at the phrase that comes just before that, when he talks about wanting, when he, when he moves on, to stay with the church in Corinth for a while, he talks about wanting to spend some time with them. But he says, but if the Lord permits. Paul's going to go through this door for effective ministry unless he hears otherwise from God. And and for us as a church, it feels like a wide door for effective work has opened and is opening for us in a number of areas that we might not quite have expected. Now, we're only a small local church, and we have to be careful about not over-egging the pudding and, and not thinking that we're more significant than we are. And I'm not saying that. But in proportion to our size... Actually, the reach that we have as a church and the doors to effective work that God seems to be opening to us are almost a bit disproportionate to our size. We have to be careful not to become arrogant about that, to treat it with humility and with, um, I guess, a, a sense of fear and wonder. But nevertheless, it's really clear that that's happened in a number of ways. So in terms of our own local context, this year we've seen a physical door open. We've seen the door to the house attached to the school open, a five-roomed house. Up until September, we were just crammed into one office. Now suddenly we have five rooms. 
And that's enabled us to do things like open up our work uh, through, with CAP. We've run a job club. We've run, run a, a, a debt um, course, a, a money handling course. We're going to be able to run a daytime alpha. And that work has just been able to expand because God literally, from nowhere really, opened the door to this great facility that we have literally on our doorstep. It means also that people who come to those things, we can easily point them towards Sundays because it's in exactly the same place. Our office before was in a different locality. If you came to something in our, in our office space, we had to try and explain where we met on a Sunday. Now we can say, oh, we just meet in the hall next door. God literally has just opened this door for effective ministry. But more than that, and I'm talking about this reach that we have, would be, would be a couple of other things. And I guess, as some of you might be aware, that John uh, Taylor was on the television in December. I think it was on the 4th of December, something like that. In fact, the same week that um, Ju- Junior was on television. Same day. same day, wasn't it? Exactly the same day. That, so, so two people in the church, two members of the church, on national television on the same day. Now, we have to be careful not to read, as I've said, too much into that. But if we believe that God is not the God of coincidence, isn't that quite something? Two people from the church should be on national television on exactly the same day. It feels like God is opening doors for effective Work. I know that John gets called on and drawn in more and more to just speak into the national picture sometimes around, around what's happening, around debt and poverty. And the other area that we are seeing this reach extend is in our impact around youth. So again, it was interesting that, I know it wasn't specifically talking about that, Junior, when you were on the television, but it's interesting that we've got Junior on national television. We've got John on national television on on the same day. And uh, the work that we're doing with New Day is much, much more than just the event New Day in the summer. Uh, As Ruth was talking about that that conference that's coming up, and one of the things that you may or may not be aware of is that Owen is is very, very involved in the shaping of this conference, Uh, very much involved in the vision that's behind it. I think if you'd have asked Owen 10 years ago whether he thought he might be somebody who would be involved in speaking into youth culture, <laughs> he, he would probably, so that's, that's probably the least likely thing for me. And if you ask his daughters, they'll certainly tell you that. Um, he's not known for his impact and understanding of youth culture. <laughs> but this door for effective work energized, living, active work has opened. And when that happens, we have to walk through it, don't we? And we're going to ask you to be involved in that process too. And I have to tell you that some of the things that we've done in in the last few months as a church have called for faith for the elders. have had to exercise a, a degree of faith. And the wider leadership team, as we've shared our thoughts with them, we've exercised a level of faith because we've done a couple of things. As as our work locally and more widely expands, we've, we've, we've had to put our money where our mouth is a bit. So we've employed Ruth for a day a week just to help with some of this wider work. She makes the phone calls and forms the relationships and quite often just eases the ground so that then Owen and others can walk seamlessly on it. 
and uh, gives a lot more than the day we pay her for. But it's been great to be able to do that, to employ Ruth for a day a week. We've done the same with Emma Goulds. As our families expand within the church, I don't know how many, Jen, do you have any idea how many babies now? No? I mean, it must be 14, 15, something like that, mustn't it, under threes or something like that. More on the way. And uh, so, so we've needed to just expand the way that we support family work and, f- and our work with families. And so what have we done? Well, we've employed Emma Goulds for a day a week. And again, she and Mark give a lot more than that, just that day that she's paid for. Those things cost money. And we've had to exercise a level of faith as we've said, well, are we, we going to, if we're going to walk through these wide doors that seem to be opening for effective ministry, are we going to put our money where our mouth is? Uh, once a year, we have a, a giving, a uh, couple of Sundays, where we ask the church to, to give gift, gift days. And we've got those coming up, I think, early February. And we'll be speaking into that a little bit. But we'll be asking you to exercise and apply faith to join us in this effective work that this little church is about, that we feel God's called us to, for all of us to dig deep and to give with faith. And we'll be talking more about that over these next few weeks as we lead up to two gift days in early February. Sometimes the doors that God opens are wide and obvious and effective. But listen to what Paul also says at the end of that passage. He says, A wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. It's interesting, isn't it, that he says, he doesn't say, but there are many adversaries. He says, and there are many adversaries. It's almost as if the fact that there are adversaries is for Paul almost a confirmation that this is right for me to be here and doing this. And I just want to just take a brief moment to speak about that to us because we live in a 21st century culture which is um, obsessed with, if you like, things going well, with comfort. And when things don't go well, there must be something wrong. You only have to um, realise that when you watch a news item about something horrific that's happened and it doesn't take long before we're looking for who to blame. Because there is just this sense that we have in the 21st century that life should be good and okay and comfortable. It should go well. And if it doesn't, well, it's somebody's fault or something's wrong. And uh, we just have to be careful as Christians to know that actually our worldview is different to that. Because what Paul says here is a wide door for effective works opened and there are many adversaries. What he doesn't say is, there are many adversaries, so so perhaps I got it wrong. There are many adversaries, so I better back off. No, there's a wide door for effective ministry here. There are many adversaries. What am I going to do? I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay here. Peter talks about it too. If we look at his letter, he, he says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes to test you as though something strange were happening to you. It is part and package of the Christian life. But Peter also says later on, he, he encourages the church he's writing to, and he says this, talking about standing firm against opposition, he says, resist him, so resist the devil, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced 
by your brotherhood throughout the world. You can be encouraged when you do hit adversity, even if it feels like you're walking in an effective work. Because, first of all, don't be surprised. It's what you can expect as a Christian. And secondly, do you know what? It's not something strange. Your brothers and sisters are going through this too. Your brothers and sisters here in this room are going to go through some of it too, which is why encouraging one another can be so important and to help us during those times. We've encountered some of that. When we first took on Ruth and Emma in September, a number of issues hit the leadership and the eldership team. Sickness, family sickness. I mean, Pauline's house was burgled. It all happened after we'd exercised this faith to, okay, there seems to be there's a door opening here. Let's, put some, let's take a step of faith. Let's put some finance behind this. For Ruth and for Emma, they exercised faith because their contracts are, at the moment, short-term, only till April, end of March. Is that right? End of March. Because we've got to see how the finance goes. And so for them, they've put a hold, potentially, on taking other, other jobs that maybe they could have done. They've exercised faith. And when they exercised faith, opposition came. Expect it. It will happen but he will be with you when it does. Okay, so sometimes the door is wide. Let's look at another passage. Now, this is just a few pages on. Okay, so this is at the beginning of Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Literally, if you had a Bible in front of you rather than a phone, you would turn two pages over and you'd be reading this next passage that he talks about where he talks about doors opening. This is a slightly different one. So at the start of this second letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes this. And this time, he's looking back and and he's explaining to them some of the things that have happened since he last wrote. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God amongst those who are being saved and amongst those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Paul's had another door opened, and it's interesting that he says it is a door that's opened in the Lord. So this wasn't that Paul felt like a door had opened and then realised he'd got it wrong. He's very open about this being a door that God had seemed to open for him. And yet, he says that he didn't feel at peace in his spirit, at ease. Why was that? Well, when we read around this and we read what commentators say, they say, well, probably Paul was anxious uh, because Titus wasn't there. And of course, journeys in those days were different and Christians were being persecuted. And so Paul arrives uh, in Troas. Titus isn't there. He's anxious about it. There's this door 
that's opened. The Lord's opened a door to ministry. But, but for whatever reason, Paul can't settle to it. In his own spirit, he, he needs to go and find out where Titus is. He's worried and he's anxious. And he doesn't, therefore, walk through that door that he quite openly says he felt had opened in the Lord. Sometimes Paul talks about the Holy Spirit actually preventing him from doing things, but this time it's not that. He's talking about his own spirit. He's talking about there's something about, I'm just not at ease about, about this. I don't know how he felt. I, I, if it were me, I guess I would feel a sense of confusion. I would feel potentially, have I got this wrong? Sh- should I be giving in to my feelings here when, God, you've opened a door, but yet I just can't settle to this? Um, how does Paul deal with it? I love the way he deals with it. What he deals, how he deals with it is in the next section where he says, thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. It's almost as if, and and Owen sort of led us in this a little bit when we prayed earlier on, Paul has come to a position where he has such confidence that God will always be the winner, that God will always be victorious that whether or not he got it right, whether or not he should have stayed, whether or not he was being over-anxious about finding Titus, whether or not any of that had happened, God was still going to be victorious in this. And somehow God was still going to use his life as a fragrant offering and was going to lead him in triumphal procession. Now, this word triumphal procession is not quite how we might think. And it's not quite... um, it doesn't, it's not actually giving the impression, it gives, it gives us an impression that's not quite right. Because actually, that word triumphal procession is not about, um, if you like, being part of uh, Jesus' army, being led in triumphal procession. Actually, this was a phrase that was used when you were a prisoner being led in a triumphal procession by your victor. And uh, there's a picture I think we've got of just a Roman procession. And this is, this is what that phrase in the Greek refers to. It's referring to a triumphal procession rather like the Romans would have. And what the Romans would do is when they had a victory over another nation, they would publicly display their prisoners. They would have them at the front of the victory procession in Rome. And at the end of the victory procession, actually, those prisoners would usually then be publicly executed. This wasn't about being part of the victorious army. This was Paul saying, do you know what? I'm a a prisoner for Christ. It's like he's been my... It's like he's vanquished me. There's something about surrender in this. So when Paul talks about being led in triumphal procession, he's, he's happy for it to happen, and he's saying, do you know what, he's just, I'm his slave, I'll do whatever. And if I am surrendered to him in that way, then do you know what, whatever happens, whether I walk through that door, whether I didn't get that decision right or not, if I am surrendered to him, if I'm surrendered to him in 2019, whether I get it right, whether I get it wrong, whether I hear that thing right or not, he will always be glorified. Always. And I am happy for that. Even if it means 
suffering, even if it means, for Paul, even if it means death. He talks about that, whether in death or life. Let my life be, be glorif- glorifying to God. There's something about surrender. If we surrender, then the guarantee is he will be glorified whether you get that decision right or not. Because he who began a good work in you will bring it through to completion until the day of Christ. He will. So, here's what not to do. When there's confusion about a door that just seems effective, but circumstances seem to have intervened in such a way that you now can't do what you thought you were called to do. You thought you were called to do that. You thought that door was opening for you. You thought you had fruitful ministry there, but it just seems to have closed down. Or personal circumstances have stepped in. I read a highly moving article uh, this, this week. Uh, about a pastor in the UK, I don't know where he is, but his name's Brad, and his wife um, was almost full-term pregnant, and she, uh, in the last week, cut herself and got uh, a serious infection, which means that she's basically brain-dead. And they delivered the baby by caesarean section. He's a church pastor. He has, this was, this was baby number seven. He's probably going to be on his own. His ministry, almost certainly for the time being, will, I guess, be utterly changed. What we pray for him is that he will know the comfort of God. And you could pray for him, Brad, his name is, his wife's name was Megan. But also that God will assure him that he will still be glorified through his life. And he will still be glorified through his wife's life even though that has been cut short. If we are surrendered to him, whatever the circumstance, even though we thought we were involved in this fruitful ministry or we thought there was this door that's opened and suddenly the circumstances have shut it down for whatever reason. My career seemed to be going this way. I've had all these opportunities. It's been been shut down for me. I don't know why. We can be confident that if we remain surrendered to him, He will still lead us in triumphal procession and will spread the fragrance of the knowledge of himself. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, that fragrance will lead to people coming to Christ. And sometimes it won't. And that's another suffering. That's another suffering that we have to go through. It's another suffering that Paul had to go through. Jesus talks about it sometimes. Some, if, if they listen to me, they'll listen to you. you know, if they reject me, they'll reject you. Sometimes your message will be rejected. And sometimes it will be the fragrance of life to others. But whatever happens, he will be glorified if we remain surrendered to him, even in those times of confusion when things seem to be shut down. Last passage. Last passage. And this is in one of Paul's final letters that he writes to a church. He's now in the last two years of his life. He's about to be executed. He's in Rome. And he writes, uh, to about two, he writes two or three of his, his letters while he's in prison. Uh, one of them is to the church in Colossae, and the other one is to the church in Philippi. And I mean, 
talk, uh, read, a, read a passage from his letter to the Philippians a bit earlier on. So what does he say here about doors? Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I might make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Sometimes we forget, I guess, what it must have been like for Paul to have been imprisoned because he has travelled literally thousands of miles during his ministry all over the, 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 the area where he lived and further afield. He's, we read about Paul's missionary journeys and now suddenly that's all shut down for him and he's in prison. He's completely in prison and it would look like the, the opportunities for him to share the gospel, to do the very thing that, that keeps, him, keeps him alive, sharing Christ, they're being shut down, he's in prison. And the doors, well, there probably aren't going to be any doors opening. So what do we do when it feels like we're in a circumstance or situation where we just cannot see how a door to effective ministry can open? If we're in a work context that's so secular, that seems so antagonistic to God, where we just think, do you know what? I just don't even, I don't see how in my current situation any door for effective work could open. I just don't see it. It feels like I'm in prison in terms of the gospel. I'm just not sure. I'm going through a season in life where I'm perhaps parenting. I'm not even in the workplace anymore, or I'm studying, or whatever it is, and I just do not see how I can have effective work to do for the Lord. What does Paul do? Well, he, he prays, and he asks others to pray. And then you get this wonderful little insight into what happens while he's in prison in the book of Philippians that he also writes while he's in prison in Rome. And he says this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. The example Paul gives us here is that when we feel like there's an impossibility about any doors opening, what do we do? We pray, God, open a door. It's what we've done this morning. God, open some doors. When Owen led us to pray missionally, God, people I know, spheres in which I operate, God, open some doors. God, create some divine appointments. God, open up some conversations. We pray. We, we pray with others. We ask others, will you pray for me in my study situation at my university? Will you pray for me in my work context? Just that God opens some doors. Will you do it? Pray for me. In our community groups, they still pray. Can we pray about my work situation? It just feels like it's closed down. I try and open up a conversation about the gospel. I'm just, it just gets shut down. 
Oh, let's follow Paul's example. What does he do? He prays and he gets other people to pray. And in prison, it becomes known amongst the imperial guards that he's a Christian. And it encourages and it strengthens others who might have been frail and weak in their own faith. Whoa, okay. This is, do you know what he says? Brothers, I want you to know this is what's happened to served to advance the gospel. This year, if you feel like you're not sure just how God would open a door for effective work for you in the context in which you operate, ask him. Do you think to do that? Do you think to ask him? Ask him. You know what? Jesus invites us to ask, seek, knock. Knock and it will be opened to you, is what he says. You know, as I prepared this, I just thought, I, want, I really want to encourage you to step forward in faith and knock and pray some of those sorts of prayers that we were led to pray this morning. Even if you feel like the context that you're currently walking in feels like it's shut down or, or you just can't see how on earth anything would open up for effective work, for the gospel, ask. Knock. We used to sing this old song a long time ago. Count your blessings. Do you know that one? Yeah, a few nods. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. It would be good to stand here next year and look back and say, oh my goodness me. Do you know what I asked? I knocked. God opened some wide doors for effective work for me. God continued to open some wide doors for effective work for our church. Why? Well, because we're really pretty skilled in what we do. No. Just because we knocked. Because we asked because we exercised faith. Shall we stand together and we'll pray and we'll close. Father, we thank you so much for what we learn from your word. We thank you so much for the example of those who've gone before, for those like the Apostle Paul we have his writings and his letters to encourage us, to give us an example and models to follow. And uh, Father, I want to pray for us now as your people. I pray for us as a church. I thank you for the wide doors that you have been opening. And I pray that you will help us as a church to play whatever part it is you are asking us to play in that process of walking through that, those doors to effective work. We pray your blessing on it. We pray that indeed the gospel will go forward because of the wide doors that you've opened and that you will help us to all play our part in that. Father, I pray for us when we hit those moments where we're just aware that we weren't sure or not whether we made the right call and there seemed to be a door open and now we're worried that we've missed it. Because the reality is that if we are surrendered to you, you will always lead us in triumphal procession and you will still always spread the fragrance of the knowledge of God through us. 
we can be confident. I pray against, Lord, amongst us, a spirit of despair when we feel like we've failed or we've missed it. And instead, that we will look away from ourselves and up to you, the one who will always lead us as our captain in triumphal procession and will spread the fragrance of your, the knowledge of you wherever we are and will complete the good work that you've begun in us. And I pray for us when we feel like situations are, are closed down and there's no hope of the gospel going forward and it feels like we're in prison. And I ask, oh God, that at times like that, we will look with faith to you and pray. And we will ask you, we will knock and we will expect you to open doors. We will not be backwards in coming forwards in asking others to pray for us that God will open doors for us in the spheres in which we walk and work. So, Lord, we want to come and offer ourselves to you like Paul did again, to sit in willing bonds beneath your feet, because there is nowhere else we would rather be, and there is no one else we would rather have as our king than you. Be glorified, we pray, this year in our lives, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.